Welcome to another episode of Behind the Mic, a vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. This series forms part of the Just Checking In podcast and Vent, which as you know, is a platform where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. In each episode of Behind the Mic, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry and most importantly, the person behind the mic. In this episode of Behind the Mic, I'm checking back in with Charlie and Josh, who make up two-thirds of East London band See You at Home. In part one, I checked in with Josh and Charlie about their experiences of anxiety in their childhood and adulthood, Josh's tendency to overcheck things, how they support each other's mental health in the band, and the impact of COVID-19 as we recorded it in November 2020, just before we went into a second lockdown. In part two, which we record in person, for Josh we get an update from the band while they had to shelve an entire album because of its pandemic related songwriting themes and their plans for a revamped debut album. We also talk about the highs and lows of doing music as a hobby versus full time and Charlie's ponderings about whether he would want to do it full time at all. For their continued mental health journey, Josh talks about when he contracted shingles of all things at the start of 2021 and the impact that had on his physical and mental health why it was a big eureka moment for him to start doing more self-care and catching his emotions and the independence he's achieved since moving out to his own flat a couple of floors above me as we live in the same building for charlie we discuss his mental state as he has reached his 30th birthday and the reflections he's had on his life as he's reached that milestone why more and more people are feeling a delayed sense of adulthood due to the way people are achieving things in much more later years due to economic factors and how he sees his life going in the next five to ten years. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go back behind the mic with See You at Home. Josh, Charlie, welcome back to Behind the Mic. Can we give a clap? Let's have a clap. Can have a clap for part two of Behind the Mic. We'll see you at home. It's taken a long time to get here, isn't it? It's, it, it? Yeah. It's been a moment. It has been a moment. Three whole years. Three? Is that, is that a long time? It's three years. I didn't, I didn't wow. actually count. That makes, that makes it sound worse. Jeez. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, and letting me check back in with you, lads. It does feel a very, very long time since we've done that. I've, I've come a long way. You've come a long way. My editing skills have come a long way. The way I do pods has come a long way. <laughs> we are also recording this in my flat for the purposes of the listeners, um, so I don't have to feel jealous of your superior microphones for like last time. <laughs> Although you are well, using my superior very, microphone in comparison to my channel right now. I appreciate it. Nice. How are you boys? Yeah, good. It's a nice sunny sunny weekend, bank holiday weekend, mm-hmm. we're recording it on, so it's exciting, but no, otherwise, all good. Thanks you for good. making the uh, long trip long trip down from yeah, the, yeah. the stairs. Yeah, a whole two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if that. Yeah. yeah my, my, my journey, I felt like I travelled in comparison. Yeah, yeah well, you're dog sitting at the moment, aren't you? So yeah, you actually no, travelled a bit further I'm in. further away. I was in walking distance, and then the one time I needed to be within walking distance, I wasn't within distance, <laughs> And on a weekend when there's train closures yes, and yes, the engineering not works. Not yeah, great. Not great. We were all at a house party recently for we the were. birthday of your bandmate, Arthur's longtime partner, Beck, who was in mm-hmm. my social group. So we got to chat a lot about music then. We're going to chat a lot about music today. Yeah. And it sounded like you both had a lot to get off your chest when we had that <laughs> we, chat in the we, house party. We did, yes. Alcohol fueled a little bit. In, <laughs> indeed, indeed. So without further ado, are you ready to start the show? Let's go. Let's yeah. get it. 
Let's start your part two by checking back in with your music journey as See You At Home or Sia. So instead of my first question I asked you originally, tell me what you've gotten up to as a band since and the journey up to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, it's been a busy three years. There's been kind of lots of activity on the See You At Home front. So we had uh, two new singles, which we'll talk about later on. Um, well, it's my next question, so you might as well talk about that. Well, we, <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so we've got CRT and 25 are the two new ones. We were talking about this yesterday. Season two of See You At Home compared to the, the old season Oh, you've one. seasoned it, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> it just seems yeah. like it seems like more of a... I mean, obviously, we can, we'll go into yeah. depth, mm-hmm. but it, it just seems like more of a shift in both tone of the actual music, but also lyrics in terms mm. of what we're talking about. Obviously, we've matured as people, we've changed as people. It's a change in the songwriting as well as the melodies, etc. Expand on that. So I think it's more about... I think through COVID, obviously, a lot of things have happened... Well, some bad, some kind of good. Obviously, in the context of COVID, not great, but good for me personally. And I think that has definitely come across in our songwriting. We've obviously moved from more remote songwriting during COVID, which is where we kind of started when I first joined the band Mm -hmm. all those years ago. And we've moved more into perfecting our in-person songwriting rather than me adding input to songs that were kind of already written or Mm -hmm. that took place, the writing took place before I joined. It's now more, I'm in on the ground floor almost. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of writing the songs with the boys. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it is a pattern. You're in the kitchen. I'm in, I'm Rather cooking. than standing outside <laughs> chucking tomatoes. <laughs> I'm cooking. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting development. And Josh, from your perspective, how has it changed? How have the themes from the songwriting you were including in season one? Season one, home to yeah. Season two. So yeah, there's been a big shift. I think with season one, with the three Ps, it was very much a kind of, you know, Sad lyrically, sad melodically, very introspective, very similar lyrically. Conscious for the new pop. Stuff. Conscious, conscious, conscious bedroom pop. pop. People, yeah, someone's going to fucking trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> no one trademark it if you record labels if you're listening. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was kind of the, the, the vibe of season one. But then with Charlie coming on, we were talking about this yesterday. We were comparing it to like because of the nature of our work, like all this corporate lingo, but it's like a merger and acquisition. Charlie is in the band. He's fully like, really you know, not sounding pretentious at all here, Josh. <laughs> he's really in the band, you know, I think that's, as Charlie was saying, like developing out our workflow, changing that style of music. So it's a lot more cheery melodically, but kind of still got that kind of sad boy vibe. Does that reflect down. your growth as people? I think so. I think it's a lot more, you know, I'm trying to be outwardly positive and try and like, you know, address a lot of the inward anxieties and stresses mm-hmm. of life so that kind of represents itself in the music i mean 25 we get into this in a bit but 25 is like the epitome of that it's like very upbeat it's very poppy mm-hmm. but deep down it's you know and you had a feature some... we, we did, did have a we feature did. Yeah. I guess I could t- yeah 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 might as well yeah. shout him out yeah, yeah yeah matty noble shout out to matty 25 is probably i'm gonna put this on record I think it's my favorite song that no, we've I agree. so far I, agree. I kind of see it as a bit of a coming of age song obviously it's shifted because you think of coming of age, you think like teens, but mm-hmm. this is obviously talking about early to mid twenties. But it's kind of about the move into to adulthood, and it's about the change in patterns, both kind of of yourself. And I think as you get older, you just become more conscious about everything around you, and that obviously takes a bit of a toll on you, mm. and even just life perspective. And and the, the first line, "Please tell me I'm right." You're feeling lost. You're seeking reassurance. You know the path you're on is is like the correct one, if you like. That screams Josh's songwriting. <laughs> that is, I mean, yes. yes that yes, is quintessentially Josh. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and of course it's the first song with Matty Noble. He's a fantastic musician because he comes from more of a, uh, 
I don't want to say more of a happy background because mm-hmm. you know we're all I feel like we're all happy people mm. but his lyricism is definitely more inherently hopeful and a mm-hmm. lot of songs about love and stuff like that and I think that what he brought to that you know the last line in his, in his verse is tried to write a sad song ended up happy I love that so it, yeah and it's so it, you know and so yes the song is about beaten up by life a little bit but it's also kind of about rolling with the punches it's about accepting the bad and mm. that gives context to the good. Last time we spoke, you said you were looking to put out your debut album, which <laughs> contained a lot of pandemic-related songwriting. So naturally, I, I assume you shelved that. <laughs> <laughs> so was that a hard decision to come to? And has it delayed the process by which you put out the new debut album? Well, first of all, it was a very hard decision. Like, the really funny thing is that it wasn't even necessarily meant to be pandemic writing. We were talking about this, and... A lot of the song, or the themes of the song, were kind of like, basically a concept album about staying at home. So it was this growth of this narrator who was living and wasn't really existing. They were staying in their house and they were kind of just trying to be better, trying to have the the growth to develop outside of their comfort zone. And it kind of felt like it was way too on the nose when the pandemic happened, because this was all written before the pandemic. So we figured that best to shelve it, rework it, develop it into something different. And also, this was when uh, Charlie had kind of just joined the band. So a lot of the songwriting was very much season one of See You Mm. At Home. Why not put it out as an EP and then cut the number of tracks? I think because it was such a concept kind of album. So the album was going to be called Hikikomori, which is a a Japanese phenomenon of of kind Mm. of people who whether intentionally or otherwise, become hermits. They don't, they don't leave their house. They're kind of... Big problem in Japanese culture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. And, I think, and I think a lot, you know, the West has definitely bled a little bit into that, especially in recent times. But I think because it was such a... I don't want to say we bit off maybe more than we could <laughs> chew, but it was very much a... It felt almost like a like a movie kind of. It was a very kind of... Start, well, very Wes Anderson sort of Storyline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i say yes. I think it was so. As a man so, with glasses, yeah. so <laughs> whether yes, everything's flat, <laughs> perfectly, everything's perfectly yeah. symmetrical. Yeah, and it might even have been as simple. At least for me, I felt quite precious about that concept. So the idea of breaking it up and moving tracks around and just releasing stuff as you didn't want to almost, harm that, basically. Yeah, that kind of story and that message was as important to me as the music when we were. Will it ever see the light of day? Then I think it will. It'll be reworked. I think, mm-hmm. and it'll feature more of our new style as opposed to the old style no but I mean in its oh, entirety like, in its untouched will it well I mean and... we were talking about this yesterday like, I, I like the idea yeah. of doing it as kind of maybe a like a throwback like yes. a special yeah this is how life used to be and this mm. is what we thought about it like a bonus of, yeah because as yeah. much as it would be nice to take some of the ideas because musically I think there's a lot of good mm. stuff there I don't mm. think it was ever shelved because it wasn't good it was just a case of it's about Staying in your house, right. uh, you know, against your will and mental health struggles. <laughs> and I just, it, I don't think it would ever have been received the way we would have wanted it to have been received. Yeah. Mm. But I like the idea of, in addition to maybe reworking it in the future, releasing it in its original form with the message intact, with the context of this is when we wrote it, this is why we shelved it. Here you go, essentially. Josh, you spoke about this renewed focus and energy you've yes. had for the band since coming out of COVID. So just tell me and the listeners more about that and how it's manifested. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, and I'm sure everyone kind of feels this way, but obviously COVID took a big part of our lives. Uh, Cut me down in my prime. Yeah, speed (laughs) round our 20s. And I think it made me 
appreciate a lot of the smaller things in life. Mm. So, you know, like not being able to go to the pub and like just hang out and then being able to do that again. No one goes out anyway anymore. So it's kind of no, that's true. <laughs> As I predicted when I, when yep. we were doing that, yep. the roaring twenties. That's absolutely no. fucking bollocks. <laughs> I knew it was going to be bollocks, but many people started talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, that side of it and the appreciation of the small things and not being able to do like gigs and stuff and mm-hmm. even rehearsals. I think being able to do that again was a big energy spike for me. Like re- it was re-energizing being able to, to do that. So I think that was really what kind of more of an energy spike than those lights you have in your flat. More of an energy spike than the lights from Redbridge Station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are very bright. This is a tangent off topic, Charlie. But me and Josh, we went for a dinner with our people in our building, and everyone was talking about Josh's lights. So jo- <laughs> we made Josh change the lights in his flat oh, at night from the, from the road. He was under pressure. I was on the walk back. I was <laughs> like, Josh, mate, you really building this up more than all like, it this is. This isn't gonna work. It's gonna be great. He was like, let me just put it onto orange. Can you see orange? Everything's a performance. Everything's a performance. Everything is stressful. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that renewed energy was what got me wanting to do stuff Mm. again. But on the flip side, sometimes I do feel like it is more words than action. I need to get better at being more. I do say this to you often, mate. Yeah, yeah, but that's just. (laughs) I say, say, Josh, you keep telling me this stuff. You need to do it now, boy. It's. (laughs) I was reading this thing actually about how if you're like writing a script for a film, if you're doing some kind of project. You should never tell anyone that you're doing that. Oh, hundred percent. Because it then means that you get the kind of whatever, and people start asking you about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I've gotten the joy of telling someone that I'm doing it. Now I don't need to do it. Charlie, I want to come to something now, which we spoke about in our off-air chat, which is this pondering or questioning you've been having about doing music as a side hustle versus full time and the pros and cons. And I can speak to that. I'm sure we've got loads of commonalities there sure. in the work that we do. Tell me about your thoughts on this from a mental health perspective. I think there's a lot of, I mean, the words hustle culture. I mean, everyone's heard mm, the rat, the eternal rat race. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, the tr- the the, the non stop yeah, treadmill. Yeah, yeah. we're everyone's, all in mousetrap. We're yes. all in now. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, it was kind of a, a thing before, but I think especially now through COVID and mm, and like these uncertain catching up on lost time. Ex- sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. more it's just accelerated. Yeah. It's exactly. I think it's more pervasive. I think it's there's more pressure to kind of and especially monetizing your hobbies. I mm. think has become a big thing now. Well, oh, there's oh, no money oh, mental health. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, I picked the wrong profession for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know so there's there's this kind of inherent pressure of just anything that you are good at or that you enjoy and then add cost of living crisis exactly mm, you, yeah. you should you you should and you need to be making money from it and i think that can be that it's a double-edged sword because i think it brings a lot of joy when you do something that you love for gives you purpose living. yeah man i wouldn't know where so, i'd be without ben i'm not sure i'm sure you exactly, would have the exact exactly, same thing about yeah. but i think it's it is a double-edged sword because as much as that can be such a high the lows of yes. you know terrible work-life balance deadlines and for me specifically being not forced but having to meet a deadline and be creative when you are not in that headspace mm. is one of the most debilitating it kind so of people to understand that as well we want in the sort of creative space yeah, not, not to be gatekeeping yeah, yeah, about yeah. it obviously but there's a certain element of you know there's a baseline level of i have to create to feel okay as a mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. and as soon as you add money and deadlines and kind of work takes traditional work on top yeah. of that it kind of takes the fun out of it your dad worked in music full time so you yes had you've seen this experience directly yeah, you've definitely. seen this dichotomy what learning did you take from his life and the lessons he imparted you on about this. Yes, I mean, growing up with my dad, he's been a musician since way before I was born. So mm. so growing up, I, I kind of saw the good and the bad. And it was kind of a growing 
thing for me because obviously I saw all the good stuff when I was young. I was, you know, he's flying everywhere, he's touring, he's been exposing to music as well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm being introduced to all these bands that I would, you know, never have have discovered. But the bad stuff like the burnout and the late nights and the the stress that only really became apparent to me on his end when I kind of moved into my teens when mm-hmm. I was kind of experiencing similar stuff, obviously mm. through school and and whatever. I think it's made me more health driven in mm-hmm. my work choices and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the stuff that I well, choose to do that's a good thing yeah definitely yeah. definitely it's, great it's level kind of self awareness yeah. exactly it's made me kind of catch myself and I mean obviously these are words that I'm saying now it comes and goes sometimes yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. even as recently is he about to as, say it hard, yeah, like Josh exactly. is he about to say it hard, exactly. Exactly. Action. so like even this year I'm not coming for you Josh <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right even, even this year already I've had instances where I've worked myself into you know like obviously and I think my immune system tends to not be great when I'm stressed when I'm as we get older mate it gets worse as well. nights, yes obviously and you know, as, you know when alcohol's involved that's mm-hmm. obviously not great hangovers are getting worse etc <laughs> it's kind of just given me a bit more of a, a renewed focus Focus on putting myself and my health over and above work. Mm. I think it's it's more difficult to say no to doing things, work things, when they are things that you enjoy or when they are kind of mm-hmm. creative things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come across as someone who is it's work of, shy, of course. Yeah, not. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it gets to a point now where I, I have to remember that that is not me being work shy. It's me putting my own health yes. above, yeah. you know, over and above all of that. You've also had experience of doing not just music but video and video production specifically as I believe you did a lot of it and specifically editing, I should say, in your early 20s. Yeah. So what was your mental health state like during that period and what lessons did you learn here as well? Yeah, so I changed jobs in, in 2016 to start work at the place that I'm still working at now. And the initial role was video editing and capturing video. Uh, it's a construction company, so it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of visiting various sites, video editing, etc. Mm-hmm. I was quite excited by that because I started, when I, when I was in high school, I started filming, me and my mates were all skateboarders at high school. Mm-hmm. I'm still obviously in touch with all these people now. They're... The Woodbridge Skate Crew. The Woodbridge scene, Skate Crew. Yeah. Redbridge Library, <laughs> South Library, as you see you, man, always out there. Definitely. <laughs> I became kind of the de facto... Video guy. Video yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I discovered a bit of a passion and I was mm-hmm. like I love I loved doing this and I love filming I love having an idea and I think there's some parallels with skateboarding in this as well of kind of seeing something in your mind and then making it happen and kind of creating manifesting it. Yeah, yeah, man- yeah, yeah manifesting yeah. is a good mm. a good way to put it I was really excited to you know go into doing video full time at this job and I was you know regardless of the context you know skateboarding construction obviously it's different but I was excited to be doing this full time and from 2016 the first couple of years I had a bit of a taste of that shift into this is becoming a job for me. And it almost worked in reverse in that I found myself enjoying it less as a hobby because I was doing it for work. Mm. So it kind of sucked a bit of the fun out of it, even to this day. I mean, I'll get into it, but (laughs) there was this lull in the middle of me not enjoying it at work or for personal reasons. So it's like, yes, I'm getting paid for it, but you know, the the cost of that. The social cost. Exactly, exactly. And it's only now in the last couple of years, so the last three years at work, I've moved more into developing software. So there's a bit of an internal shift there. So I'm still doing video. Now you've got the separation back. Exactly. You're not doing it 24-7 every single day. And the last couple of probably most of the last year has been me kind of rediscovering video and rediscovering that as a hobby now that it's not my full-time stressful thing that I'm doing at work. Does it feel fresh again? It does. I mean, me and Josh and a few of our other friends play a lot of online games together and we're getting clips Mm -hmm. from those and I started just as a bit of a, you know, I've got Adobe Creative Suite from work still. I'm going to, I'll just, you know, I want to share this in the chat. You're a privileged man. Yeah, well, yeah, I know that, yeah, cost of living, it's not, I'm on a pedestal. I'm on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep that off record. (laughs) But it just reignited my, because it wasn't, 
this big kind of thing looming over my head now of this thing is not fun because you have to do it for yeah. work stressfully when you don't want to do it. Yeah. It starts to be fun again. I'm starting to rediscover the enjoyment and, and doing something like that. So I yeah, think, I can so, attest that. Yeah, so kind of going back to your original point about experience of something becoming a job and the balance of hobbies mm. versus doing it for work. For music, I'd already kind of run a little version of that journey with my passion for video editing. So I was kind of extra cautious about... You did a demo. Doing it. For, yeah. yeah, I did a trial I did A, trial a three-year run. demo. Yeah, I did a yeah. trial-year run of one hobby. Do you remember those old-school demos, mate? You used to get yeah. them. Oh, my days. <laughs> those old-school demos were mad. Very, very classic. Show I, my I, age I, Yeah, I can definitely attest that because, you know, obviously doing... Then it doesn't feel like full-time, but it, it does in many ways. And mm. having my full-time job alongside it, like yeah. sometimes when people say, oh, I watch this series and it's mental health themed, I'm kind of like... I don't really want to. <laughs> well, because you know, yeah, uh, as you say, it, it has the context. It's going to sap my energy, bro. And the like... context for you is is that this is not like this is traditional work, but it's it's one of those things that is a passion for you, mm. and it's something that you have a lot of emotional energy invested in. Mm. So when there is anything that comes kind of into that, for other people that you know, and even for me, for me, yeah, just a little exposure to it. I'm fully exposed. Yeah, exactly, all the time. exactly. Yeah. So you have my mind this... is constantly yeah. thinking like next podcast guest, and then you go. I'm always mm. my brain is always on about um, it. And so. I have that with music. You know, like a soundtrack to a movie. I'm sitting watching it, watching a movie, and there's a, oh, there's a bit of music in the background, well, and I'm just like, it straight oh, away. time signature, and, and oh, that yeah, melody's yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. I love how that resolves. That's mm. interesting. Oh, I wonder what. You wonder if those are live drums. I wonder if he's tracked that. I wonder if that's a synth. The person sitting next to me, none of that. It's oh, just enjoy. And it almost almost feel a bit kind of jealous sometimes yeah, that people yeah, can just yeah, turn yeah. all of that off and just enjoy something for how it's meant to be. Sometimes enjoyed. I'm like that at gigs where because of the vent shows, mm. I'm going, oh, that mic doesn't sound good. Need me to turn it up. <laughs> I'm going, turn it up, turn it up, turn up the bass. Screaming at the guy. <laughs> turn the down the mic. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah Fred, yeah. just be, just let yourself enjoy it, <laughs> please. Definitely. Let's reflect then on this continued journey of CSO so far. So, what has it both taught you about yourself in these three years? Yeah, I th- well, I think kind of tying into what you guys were saying of like creativity, like creativity is such an important part of my existence as a human being. I think, I think if I didn't have creativity, all those lights, have, mate, all those lights, <laughs> all those lights, all the music, all the, yeah, the, anything creative, whether it be music or other things, I think really help my mental health. I think mm. if I didn't have that, I, I'd, I'd be yeah in a very different place and not sleeping on a futon like you were in your first. That's true. First yeah, when you when you popped around flat. and it was like. <laughs> Josh, Josh is really getting aired out. Yeah. I've got this all up. I've stored it. I've got all these files stored. This is three, three years of stuff to say. Yeah. coming up. Yeah. I remember when I came in, I was like, Josh, is this your bed? It's a bed Where your, where's your head going to be? <laughs> two sofas. It was just hanging. Hey, <laughs> no headboards. No yeah. headboards. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry, Josh, man. I've, built, I've, stored, I've stored all these files. I've stored all these files. Oh, and, mm. and Charlie, what about you, mate? I think it's taught me quite a lot about myself, but I think the main thing is that I boil it down to kind of being, it, it's all right to recognise where you have weaknesses or mm-hmm. points that aren't strong and having... Like having, me with DIY. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll let myself out of this podcast. <laughs> as long as it's even, it's fine. Yeah. Mate, uh, give me a shelf. I've no idea. Absolutely. Yeah. My, yeah, me also. But having people around you that can kind of fill in, I liken it to a puzzle. So you have bits of you that, right, if you take a square as the default, you have bits of you that kind of poke out of that square. So you're like, these are my strengths, these are things that I do, but you also have parts of you that are kind of holes. And I think the way that that works best is having other people that are like the opposite puzzle pieces to you. Their strengths, they fit in where your weaknesses are. And I think the kind of person that I was, I'm hesitant to really say was because I still have moments. Mm-hmm. But we all do, right? Yeah, the, well, the person that I am is very much someone who wants to, I want to I do it all in-house. 
I want to learn how something works. I want to be the person. Hard to, to go. let go in it. Yeah, yeah it's when really. You're yeah, when you're doing it all on your own, it is hard to delegate. And it, and it is, and it is tough. And it is tough. I think being in CU at home and writing, especially with Josh and Arthur, it's taught me that it's not a weakness of character to see weaknesses that Good you pun. have and have other people around you that can fill those weaknesses and vice versa. Like I, was, I was speaking to Josh last night about this, about how there's certain bits of, like me, if I have 16 bars, I can flesh that out, I can mix it, I can produce an absolute fantastic set of loops writing a song start to finish I'm absolutely terrible like oh here's Getting the that idea for intro. a song from the start yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. like intro and then verse and then chorus verse bridge you know all of that stuff and that and again that's that's extra funny because that's something that my dad is very good at so it's something that obviously he hasn't you know thanks passed well that's how you compliment each other surely yeah. like you're the polisher and Josh is the, the crafter this is, and this is the thing and same with Arthur Arthur, yeah. is, Arthur is very good at he will just find pockets in a song. We'll just be jamming and Arthur will kind of point at either one of us and go, oh, that bass, bring that down too and then instead of the second note, make that flat and, mm. and, he'll, mm. and then we'll go, Josh, play this and like just almost just watch So he's like a hand. details man. And he yeah, will yeah, add yeah. things to, to songs that neither of us would have ever thought about doing. So it's... it's so his ear is almost different to yours. Yeah, his yeah, ear yeah, is yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we're like this perfect Venn diagram. To create, you should have said home. vent diagram. Then. Vent diagram. No, the moment's gone. The moment's <laughs> gone, Josh. The moment's gone. <laughs> what have you learned about each other in these three years? That's an interesting question. I think building off what Josh was saying about how there's a diagram, there's a vent, vent. diagram <laughs> yeah. of. Um, Don't overdo it. I don't sound cringe. Okay. <laughs> you can choose to keep that in because yeah. there's obviously certain things we've learned a lot. We've hung out more. We've spent more physical time, especially since the COVID restrictions mm. have been lifted. We've spent more physical time around each other, and I think it's helped us learn more about each other and you know the, the people that we all are there's there's obviously most of us which are just ourselves but there's still significant overlap f- between mm. all of us and and then obviously in the in the dead center is the band where we all kind of come together and we all have that's your universe that yeah, is that, yeah, yeah that's yeah. our very dead center of the do- of has the anything dog. surprised you hmm. i'll leave this in <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably the surprise has been more about what I've learned about myself okay. rather than what I've necessarily learned about. It's all about you in it, Charlie. Yeah. It's all about you. <laughs> it's just interesting how me being around other people, which ostensibly, you know, on the surface is not really anything to do with me and myself, but how much other people can affect me and how much specifically Josh and Arthur have bought things out of me. Good you things? Know. Yeah, definitely good things. Thank definitely God. Good things. Yeah, no, no, no. could have gone left. <laughs> no, that could have been... Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I'm now a dickhead. <laughs> I wouldn't have mentioned that. Yeah, I hate all these people. I'm only in a foot. Yeah. I like to think of... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, mm. but the way I see it, Josh is one end of a spectrum and Arthur's the other end of terms of like being really kind of outgoing and being mm, really like, mm. you know... And you're in the middle. I feel kind of that I'm in the mm. bit of the centre of that because, I mean, me and Josh always joke that we're the, the same person. I mean, we have the same last name. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah, always yeah. joke that the, the, the lineage kind of meets up at some point, like cousin, second yeah, cousin, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that I have a lot of Josh's behaviour in me and vice versa. Mm. But seeing Arthur, I think he's kind of brought me out of my shell, especially in terms of like musically and mostly gigging and, mm. and performing. He's definitely brought me out of my shell a bit. And I do some so stuff as well like gigs and stuff Mm -hmm. so I think that has actually helped me in that as well playing with people that are you know like oh I need to make sure the bass is perfect I need to make sure I hit this cue I need to whatever and then to sit with Arthur and he's just like it's alright sounds good like it's it's fine don't worry about it even just having that little nugget that I wouldn't have thought 
of myself mm. having that from someone kind of externally and someone who actually is invested obviously is invested in the band is invested in us as friends I think hearing it from someone like that it's it, it makes me feel a lot better and what about you Josh I think it's building off that last point the sort of letting go of things and what Charlie was saying about learning about where we each have our strengths and weaknesses I very similarly at the start when we first started with just like myself and Arthur doing the EPs I was very like I wanted to do everything because in my head I'd built it up to that point of like if I can do everything I I have worth as a human being mm. but that's not the case and you know Charlie I'm glad you in, come to that mate yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a journey mm-hmm. um, but yeah Charlie filling that kind of production side because Charlie is incredible at production Arthur is incredible at live stuff hearing things I just like doing the songwriting and you know filling that role so I think we each complement each other and I think being able to grow to the point where I recognise that was probably the biggest thing that I've learned. We've talked all about your continued music journey as Sia. Let's go behind the mic once more and talk about your continued mental health journey, lads. So Josh, I'm going to come to you first. How do you reflect on the first podcast? How was it received? And who's the Josh we meet now? That's a very good question. Yeah, I think I was very proud of both of us for doing the podcast because I was actually... Very stressed out before we did it. You might, <laughs> why, like, mate? You always say that to me. Like, I, why yeah, would you be stressed, man? It's just well, me, man. I think it's just... It, it's not stressed. I get why. The, I get yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, because but, yeah. of who I am as a person more than, you know, talking with you. And, and it's stuff. the exposure and the, exactly, you know, of yeah. my 50 listener base. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's... I think it also ties into a lot of the stuff that I was saying in the first one around the difficulty of me talking about mm-hmm. my emotions. So it's like a doubling down of stress. So I was really glad that we actually like followed through with it and, and did it and then you know coming back thank you for having us again right, for the second time Pleasure. so yeah so i think taking that sort of leap of faith was really positive first for me. first step's always the hardest mate exactly and after that, it that. Gets very easy yes in some ways set up this kind of positive mental health journey of me being able to be aware of talking and being more open about mm-hmm. talking about my emotions so, did anything surprise you about the feedback anyone that you didn't expect to listen to it or drop your dm or something it was nice to hear from people and like hear their reception to it and yeah it solidified or melted away the anxiety, the anxiety that i had, had yeah. about it it's and a classic, I was like classic post pod mate yeah feeling. classic post pod feeling <laughs> so yeah so i think it's set up a really good positive mm. mental health journey minus a little bit of a speed bump that we'll talk about yeah well we'll get to that now you've obviously as you said got this great level of self-awareness not just about yourself but of how you perceive things and how you deal with things but it wasn't just your mental health that was affected in what we're going to come to now it was your physical health and something i didn't actually know still existed except in simpsons jokes yeah so you had shingles i had shingles when i first um beginning of 2021 right yeah literally just after so tell me about that yeah, that was a fun time. I wouldn't, for the listeners, I wouldn't recommend shingles. It's not good. How did actually, you even get it? Like lack of vitamin C or what? Well, was... Okay, so this is, I had the same thought. When I spoke to the doctor and he was like, yeah, I think you've got shingles. I was like, I'm not a pirate. Like, <laughs> what's, I, I got it mixed up with scurvy. Because scurvy, right, scurvy like is the one, yeah, yeah. But as a bit of like, I guess, content, I think shingles from what I was reading, it's like chicken pox of the nerves. Right. So it's like dormant chicken pox in your body. And it like comes back to haunt you. <laughs> the sequel of Chicken Pox, as it were. Season two of Season Chicken two Pox. Season two of, of Chicken Pox, yeah. So basically, as background to like sort of how I got it, I probably, yeah, that might have been March, February, just after the pod. 
it was very busy at work. There was lots of stuff on, but not even just the work business. It was also kind of the pressure I put on myself. We spoke a lot about like overchecking things mm-hmm. and anxiety. And that fed into it as well as all the life admin of moving out. Because mm-hmm. that was about the time that we were doing all of our stuff about the administration. Mm. Of, adult uh, life admin. Adult, exactly yes. that. So it was all that stuff kind of combined. And I think... So with the actual like pre, I'm sensing pre, a cocktail here. It was a I'm very a cocktail that came out of shingles. Cocktail, yeah, yeah. yeah, the shingles cocktail. It was two weeks of very intense waking up at a ridiculous hour to start work at maybe like eight o'clock. I didn't need to do this, but I was putting the pressure on myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Like in hindsight, we were busy, but I was making myself busy? more busy. Yeah. yeah. So it was that. Then I would you know work through the day. I was having lunch, but I wasn't breaking for mm-hmm. lunch i just eat lunch and then still be at work. my desk yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then finishing late probably like seven or eight or something i mean that's not sustainable bro no exactly it's not and yeah the shingles <laughs> reared that's its a head. very weird way of your body's telling you that it's broken isn't it? yeah i'd work till like eight o'clock and then after that i'd then need to go and do all the life admin of moving out mm-hmm. so that would finish at like 10 o'clock and then i'd go to bed and i'd wake up and i'd do the same thing for like two weeks so it was just this massive period of time where there was no like downtime and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself lots of stress and even though I was reading up about shingles and stuff and anxiety and stress doesn't directly cause shingles but it obviously puts you in a a state where you are exactly yeah yeah. what Charlie was saying earlier about you know stress and anxiety affecting your immune system so I think that's what happened and yeah I got shingles and it was not very fun but when it happened so So what the symptoms tell the listeners yeah yeah so I woke up one morning, my left arm or my right arm, I can't, no, my right arm, numb. Not entirely numb, but like the top of it felt like I'd burnt myself. And at this point I was, you know, putting so much pressure on myself. I was like, it's fine. It'll go. I'll keep working. I'll keep At least you think it was a heart attack or a stroke or something. No, so yeah, yeah. At least it's that. That's true. But yeah, so it felt, it felt numb. Kind of ignored it. At that point I should have spoken to the doctor because... Again, from what I was reading, if I'd have gone at that point and I knew what it was, I could have been prescribed like antibiotics and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten all the subsequent stuff, which we'll get to. So I hurt a sort of numb arm. Probably like two days later, I had all of these horrible like spots on my back, which again, I ignored because I was an idiot. And I thought they were just bug bites because I have very... I mean, you weren't living in like Malawi in the middle of the desert, (laughs) so... No, but the thing is, it is known within the insect community that I have very sweet blood <laughs> because every single time Were you I'm like out. an executive producer on Bugs Life or something <laughs> it is known within the it insect known. community it is known within the- I know I have sweet blood because I get bitten to shreds <clears throat> by mozzies but well, I don't no, think i ever say it is known within the it, insect well, <laughs> community I'm the same though I do get bitten all the like I, I had one bite I don't know if I like react badly to bites as well because there was another incident where I got bitten and like my I think it's really, it must have been to do with blood type because every time I, I so. go out in any work, any yeah. sort of grassy field in the summer and there's gnats around I know I'll get absolutely yes. fucked yeah exactly that so I, I was just like I woke up and I was like these are probably bug bites it was kind of nearing spring so I was like it could be mosquitoes again I ignored it but Very how stupid. many of them were there lots <laughs> so. yeah that should have been a bit of a warning sign yeah. anyway I ignored it again and then there was probably like a week of horrific pain <laughs> Essentially, because again, going back to, you know, chickenpox of the nerves. So all the pain was like nerve related pain. So I just started noticing that I would have occasionally on my back this feeling of like white hot needles being like stabbed into my back. And when one stabbing 
happened, it would like radiate outwards. So almost the way I kind of liken it, you know, like when you had like a toothache or mm-hmm. if you pulled out a tooth, that kind of nerve pain, but in your back or wherever it was that you, you know, you'd have shingles. It was horrible. And like during that week or at the start of the week, it was probably like, you know, maybe once every three hours, let's say. So it wasn't very frequent, but it was still like, I'd like tense up and be like, wow, like what on earth was that? So I spoke to the doctor and they were like, yeah, no, that sounds like you've got shingles. It's a bit weird because shingles is usually something that like generally older people get and he was kind of surprised that I had it which wasn't great but they couldn't do anything because it had gone to the point where the antibiotics wouldn't have done anything so I just had to kind of live with it until it resolved Uh, and it took about a week and there was one moment because it got more and more frequent like the pain and there was probably a day or a couple of days where it was you know, once an hour. I was telling you about this mm. one, like, offline. What one you're about to jump on. That, yeah. <laughs> that was the worst experience. Yeah, worst experience, worst pain I've ever had. And I was just in my, because I was working in the shed at the time, and I was just like pacing up and down. It was like every two or three minutes for like an hour. There was just this searing, stabbing pain in my back. Like, yeah, I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about it now. It's actually like horrible. And I was like pacing up and down. I was like in tears because it was just so painful. And then... Again, me being stupid, I didn't take any time off work because I was putting this Josh on myself. what are you doing? I know, like, I could have... Like, I spoke to my boss about it, and he was like, you can... You're calling out like, yourself here. I know. I'm not He's even like, airing yourself out. Take some time off. I was like, no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> because I'm such a people pleaser. <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, about to go onto this call. Had this horrible pain. I was like, I just need to do this call. So I like jumped on the call. I was like, oh, guys. <laughs> and, well, like half crying. Yeah, like, like, like no one could tell somehow. But yeah, like my eyes were proper red. <laughs> and I was like in agony. And I was just like tensing up every once in a while when the pain would, you know, come and stab me in the back. So it Did was... that wake you up, that moment? Yeah, this whole experience was the point of what Charlie was saying around, you know, that point of burnout and like stress and being more aware of my emotions. That was absolutely this kind of like wake up moment of I need to be a lot more conscious of what I do, how I conduct myself emotionally. catch yourself. Exactly. Catching emotions and catching, yeah, it was a very interesting couple of weeks, let's say. Yeah, I mean, interesting. You're almost people pleasing yourself here. I'd have said shit, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It it was not fun. (laughs) So, yeah. Coming back to music, we spoke about 25. Yes. And you said 25 was quite an accurate lyrical expression of how you've grown. Mm -hmm. So... Was it cathartic to write in the process of it? How did you feel when you performed it? And how have you been able to express yourself or how has it been able to help you express yourself outside of music? So I think 25, we didn't really speak about the, the like the lyrical content of 25 is almost, and even CRT into 25 kind of perfectly reflects this little health episode mm. that I had because it's almost 25 is kind of about And as Charlie was saying, it's kind of like wanting to be better. And it's almost a realisation that I came to at 25. Obviously, this shingles incident happened way after that. Mm -hmm. But it's very appropriate to what I also realised at 25, which is that, you know, I need to be aware. I need to catch emotions. I need to, you know, actually address a lot of my anxieties. And it's almost the knowledge that I do have that power to do that. And it's like almost myself holding me back. Mm. So 25... What part of yourself is holding you back? I think it's just all the internal, like, stresses and just kind of wanting to, and I kind of, I think we spoke about this offline, but kind of being a pe- bit of a people pleaser mm-hmm. and Where does that feeling come from? judged. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I need to, I've done a lot of, like, reflection as part of this mental health journey. 
and sort of thinking about my you know my mindset and where a lot of things come from a lot of my anxieties like overchecking things mm-hmm. which we'll come to and yeah i don't actually know yet but you haven't, I think you haven't narrowed down the origin of it it's not a moment no. in school or no i don't think so well, i mean possibly like you know the standard bullying could mm-hmm. be a part of it like it sounds like we're coming to a realization could, could be here, coming right? to <laughs> a little breakthrough on the yeah. podcast but i think I mean, that is, does make a lot of sense for, you know, judgment. Speaking from personal experience, yeah. Yeah, I yeah can like being judged, a bit of social anxiety in mm-hmm. there as well. So I think almost trying to make sure that I'm this, like, perfect persona, curating my personality and making sure that I come across the right way feeds into everything. It fed even into the Shingles episode of, like, I want to make sure that I'm coming across correctly at work and putting this pressure on myself. Though. I guess not, in my head, taking time off, but that's incorrect to do that. It is incorrect to do that. But in my head, I'm like, are you seeing I need where to... I'm challenging you? I know, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the realization that I've like come to. This and is what like... people say this is a therapy session, bro. It, is. it literally <laughs> is. Free. Yeah, because it's like pre shingles Josh and post shingles Josh is very. Different. Season two, Josh, and season one. Season, season two, three, and Josh, se- season four. Oh damn! What are we yeah. on? You're 29 now. Oh god. So <laughs> I season 29. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, yeah, it's it's getting close to the big three o. Well, I'll let Charlie talk about that. We can, we can talk about <laughs> yeah, that later. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I think, I think to, to round it together, yeah, I think, yeah, CRT into 25, it's just like perfect little story. And it is really cathartic to play both of those songs live mm. because of what they mean to both of us mm. and the lyrical content of them. And also with 25, it being such a more upbeat type of song with the sad lyrics, it's so different playing that compared to some of our old stuff where it's like sad lyrically and sad sad melodically it's kind of weird seeing everyone kind of like jumping up and sort of bopping their heads to 25 and i'm like singing like please tell me i'm (laughs) it's a funny vibe you you spoke about self-awareness there so how do you do self-care now it's a lot of things so obviously so we spoke Mm -hmm. kind of about the catching of emotions i've tried to be a lot more aware of where I start to feel stressed out or where I start to feel, you know, anxious. Previously, season one, Josh, I would only ever recognise that when I was, like, fully... At crisis mode. Yeah, yeah. literally. Unfortunately, like... that's when a lot of lads seem to spot it. Yeah, so. and it's it's really bad. And so I'd, like, get to this point where, I, like, with shingles, you know, I was about to jump on that work call and was, like, in agony. Obviously, it was physical agony, but as a result of possible you know, stress and anxiety. So being better at kind of catching my emotions and sort of recognising when I start to feel stressed before I'm getting to like the point of, not no return, but the point of like really bad Mm -hmm. emotional state. So that's kind of a a big thing. But also just like other small things like trying to like meditation. You love a run? I love a run. Running is the... I'll say someone see you now when you're on the way into (laughs) or way back from a run. It's like, hi Freddie. I'm just (laughs) off on a run. Yeah, running, exercise is really important. I think I spoke about on the last podcast as well, this kind of like, per- well, not perfect, but like this more optimum mindset that I had in university. And I think that was as a result of being more used to the environment, being more used to like learning, because I obviously would been in education for like 20 years almost at that point. And I think that all of the stuff that I did at that point of like being more aware of my health, being more aware of my mental health, like physical health and mental health, meditation, listening to a lot of like podcasts about mental health as well and trying to sort of... Is that why you were saying you listen to mine or...? Yes, repping <laughs> vent, of course. So yeah, I think that's probably been the, the sort of the biggest change or the biggest kind of uh, selection of things, I suppose, to help mm. with my 
mental health journey, so to speak. Another very obvious big change you've also done is you've moved out in yes, the last two years. You, I have. We, we, all, we live in the same building, I must say to the listeners. Mm. And what I didn't realise is that you didn't move out during university. This, this is, is really your first yeah. big move, <laughs> which must feel even bigger at the time yeah. for you. So how did the process initially impact your mental health? And what have the last two years done, I guess, for your independence and your general mental health as well? Well, I guess how it initially affected my mental health was that I got shingles. Because <laughs> that was the first thing. <laughs> but we were speaking about this of like, it being this big, this, obviously this massive change mm. and rising to the challenge mm-hmm. of that change, so to speak. Again, on my mental health journey of like reading stuff and like listening to podcasts, read this thing about the comfort zone mm-hmm. and how, you know, the optimum level of growth is being just outside your comfort zone. So if you're too far out of your comfort zone, like I was during shingles incident, perhaps, I... You, well, you there know, was you, no comfort. There was no comfort, yeah. <laughs> I, it was I pain. It was yeah. pain zone. <laughs> Searing hot needles. But yeah, at that point, it's like, it's it's detrimental. Mm-hmm. But if you're just outside your comfort zone, it's like the perfect sort of... Yeah, or you're just stepping growth. out of it on a semi-regular exactly. basis to yeah. help you. Yeah. And I think for the moving out and sort of the existing here, because we've got like such a nice community and mm-hmm. everyone sort of, you know, gets together, we've got, you know, socials and stuff and we all kind of are friendly with, you know, with one another. It's such a good environment to be able to have that first experience of moving out. So I think that's helped Yeah, you've lot. not got this flat housemates nicking your food. At, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at random days like yeah. we had during university, Charlie. So, <laughs> so Where's so my sandwich gone? <laughs> got my name on my it. My dairy milk had my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I treated myself to this. You said about the socials, mate. And I remember we had a, I think it was a dinner or maybe it was a night out. I can't really remember mm. now. And I remember putting my arm around you and I was like, Josh, mate, do you think this has been the making of you? And you went... Yeah, I think it has. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it absolutely has. It, it ties into that comfort zone point because if I had moved out and I just moved out kind of on my own, because we all moved in together mm-hmm. kind of thing, if I'd moved out on my own, I probably would have been a hermit and I just would have kept to myself. But because of the nature of how yeah, we, we forced out, you out. Yeah, that as well. Having, to be honest, having, having you here me pushing Mark, me out. Josh, come yeah. to this. Okay. Go, go out. Yeah. <laughs> but that has helped and that I think is... It has been the best way for me to be able to grow because there's so much stuff, going back to the whole thing of like my first experience of moving out, there's so much other stuff that I kind of didn't realise that, you know, or not didn't realise, I knew it was stuff that you had to do, but like calling up like DIY people or like, (laughs) you know, talking to, you know, an electrician or whatever. And like, I'm terrible with like talking on the phone. I don't know if it's like a social anxiety thing. Perhaps. hate talking on the phone. I would put money on it. Yeah. I like... (laughs) Charlie's um, thinking that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm exactly the same. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Got like notes before I talk to people on the phone. Jesus, you've got a script. Yeah, do you not... Wow. Nah, mate. (laughs) Do you not do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's normal. No. So yeah, that was quite difficult. So if it was everything at once, it would have been even more... Was that you dropping your favourite film in there? Everything everywhere. Oh, I did say. So I said this to Charlie. Yo, (laughs) I was so unaware. I said yesterday. I need to talk about everything everywhere all at once. Well, here we go. I manifested it. Unaware, Josh. (laughs) The vent listeners who have not seen that film, you absolutely need, absolutely need to see that film. It, like, genuinely, this is tangential now. It changed my mindset. This was also part of my mental health journey, almost. I came oh, out thank the... fuck I mentioned it, eh? Yeah. It's, it's Jesus. Like, I came out of the film, and oh, I don't want to spoil any of it, but it changed how I viewed existence and mm-hmm. sort of appreciating the small things in life. So if you haven't seen it, 
Go and see it. I love it. I've seen it six times this year. Wow. I've got the soundtrack. That's like, that's like Simpsons. A comic yeah. book guy goes to see the uh, best like their, their parody. No, their <laughs> yeah. parody of Star Wars. And he's like, there was the worst Star Wars film ever. And we'll see it three more times. It's just such a, it, it, deal, it deals with, from my own personal experience, mm. it deals with the concept of nihilism, the concept mm. of like yeah. whether us being here has, has any meaning without spoilers. It yeah. deals with that in a very complete way. And mm. what you take from it is, you know, yeah. And, don't, it, don't and it's got. Kung Fu Panda's duck dad in it. <laughs> oh yes, it does. It does. That's, yeah. So if you need a second reason to go, yeah, that's the that's just the, to hear his voice. Go, that's just as important as the first reason. Don't watch the movie. But yeah, bring it back to the the flat flat stuff and like, if I had to deal with all of that stuff all at once, everything everywhere all at once, it would be a lot more stress. But it was almost like a, a bite sized way of being able to experience that first moving out so to speak so i think that's that's been helpful charlie i want to come to you now we've talked all about josh so same question as josh what was the feedback you individually received and the charlie we meet now i think the feedback was equal parts expected and surprising because there were a lot of people a lot of my close well, three of you so it's three networks almost a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and that, like my people who i consider my very close friends came to me and and there was a there was some stuff in there that they didn't know about me mm. there was a lot of stuff in there that they didn't you know had never imagined either things that I've been through or my struggles. You mm-hmm. know, when I was talking about struggling during sixth form on the last pod, it was kind of surprising in a way, but it was also very nice to have that, although it was kind of an indirect conversation because it was on a podcast that they listened to <laughs> rather than us talking, but it was nice that they were able to get to understand me more through... In totality. Exactly. Yeah. More of a complete picture of the, the kind of person that I am and the kind of person that I am now. I think I'm more aware of kind of how I am as a person talking about like totality how I am as a person the good and the bad Mm -hmm. because I think there was a lot of especially pre-covid there was a lot of kind of out of sight out of mind with things that I maybe wasn't comfortable with in myself that I think I now have come to a bit more of a not necessarily accepting but a lot more of an understanding of of those so more at peace with it yeah kind of just not yes it's something that I do that I'm not fond of in myself but I'm not going to be I'm not going to beat myself up about it as long as I'm not actively working against trying to fix it or trying to you know work on myself that's good for me yeah because we always want to change who we are for the better but mm. if you're trying to change a positive aspect of yourself because mm. of outside influences then that's never going to end well is this it? is the thing and I liken it to uh, I liken a lot of stuff to health to kind of get my head around a lot of it and I you know it, things could be like a muscle where you have to kind of work at it regularly even if it's you know i mean the brain is a muscle but even mm-hmm. just like your thought processes if you if you do little and often every day that's going to you know just being mindful being mm. aware that's a lot better than sliding into you know the mental equivalent of eating a large pizza every night but what say dms there like, <laughs> <are we> <laughs> but like yes yeah, so i think you can you know like you can't crash and then cram a fix in mm. you have to it's little, little and often. Works, mate, exactly yeah. exactly and that obviously works for your physical health so obviously would work with your mental health and I think Mm -hmm. me coming to terms with that as a coping mechanism has been quite good for me Mm. the big part of your mental health journey which we funnily and depressingly alluded to (laughs) in the the earlier part of the pod was our age and you are a year older than me and Josh Charlie Mm. so you're already 30 yes and you reached that this year so tell me about the feelings you've had around this because you described it to me off air as a a new midlife crisis. Yes, yes, I did. I did. I've it's, had that a little bit recently, mate. I can't lie. A little bit. For little, I can see where you're coming from. It's interesting. I think because my reason for labelling it as as that is it's because of the way that 
things are getting perhaps further and further away. Delayed for a lot adulthood. Of, exactly. Things, yes. are, things are getting further away for a lot of younger people, you know, especially owning property. And then know, kids. Having, and yeah, then exactly. And all of that stuff. It's kind of with the way that everything is. Not necessarily we live in a society, but mm-hmm. close, very close. So there's a lot of things that have kind of been that were things that people just did at the age that kind of I am now that aren't either feasible or they're not something that because of all the other things that are going on they're not something that people sometimes even want Mm. anymore so like traditional milestones achieving them at certain ages that whole what am I doing with my life kind of this is what I'm saying I think it kicks in earlier because of the way that everything is and because you know you have to save for a lot longer to buy somewhere now it's something that that has crept kind of further and further back or become earlier in in your life so I think the extra pressure of that I think is responsible for me thinking of it as almost a bit like a new midlife mm. in, in that I saw a really powerful tweet actually which was kind of funny in, in its wording but I thought was very true and it said in other words previously people had kids dogs and plants now people who would have had kids get dogs people who had dogs get plants and people who have kids and they're now just luxury they're, they're luxury items <laughs> it is it's mm. a kid is a kid is a bentley now essentially mm. it's something that yeah jokes aside there is i think there is still a lot of truth to that because the financial implications of having a kid has always been a lot in the past even i'm not and i know, guess not... it's a social because you have to see a lot of sacrifice you have to exactly. make and I, don't, I don't think people were as willing as perhaps they were you know in our parents generation yeah and that. i mean not not to take it to kind of a, a place of like oh you know everything's bad mm. you know planet's dying etc i mean don't get me wrong it is, <laughs> but in terms of bringing a child into the world, everything that comes with it, like financially, social, health-wise, everything that that does the now. Support network you have people exactly have, you know, all you of that to, stuff. You have to basically, have to have grandparents. Yeah, in, every all of the stuff around having kids now has been turned up to eleven. Everything mm. is just more intense. You need more. It's a never-ending cycle. People who are, kids are already anxious. They're going to feel yeah. even more anxious. And, it's, and you know, the... you have some people who have had. I mean, this goes back, you know, an infinite number of years. People have kids to. Sometimes people just have kids to give themselves a purpose, mm-hmm. which is great for the parents. And mm. then, but then the kid is a human, and they then they need a purpose, mm. and then they will have kids to give themselves. And you know, it goes on and on. So I think it's it's definitely brought to light the way that everything is now. It's brought to light how exactly what is entailed by having kids or a dog or even a plant because I mm. still kill plants on a regular basis. I mean, I don't trust myself with plants. <laughs> Honestly, so. even a succulent uh, is, yeah. is pushing it for me. You said to me off air about not feeling like you you fit the mould of how you should be when you reach 30. Mm. So who is it that you should be and who is it that you want to be? I think, and this is interesting because when we had this off air discussion, this was before my 30th birthday. Mm. So when we spoke, I was 29 and now... I'm over the hill. You're there. I'm there. Mm. And I think even going back to talking about like hustle culture and kind of monetizing hobbies and stuff, there's there's always a lot of pressure to be doing something. And I think for, I don't want to speak for everyone, but for or people being that I something. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or being something. Or I trying to be something. Being, cre- being a creative person or having creative mm. hobbies, that is already putting yourself on the back foot of kind of, you feel like you need to create. I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but I feel like I need to create to feel okay. It's like our makeup now. Yeah, yeah exactly. It it's true. just it's a part of me as much as eating and drinking every day is. It's something that I. Why do you think I'm doing this on a Saturday? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I have to do. And so I think the need to kind of have a bit of a, I don't want to say legacy because that sounds mm. pretentious, but leaving there some, is that no there is that I leaving something that. behind the feeling of that compounded with how the world is. It's like a rock and a hard place. So I think it's, it's a double whammy of feeling like I'm I'm not creating anything myself. 
to outlast me and also society and during COVID people like, oh, this person learned a language, this person started a business, etc. I think there's pressure from all angles to be a certain person and to be successful. And I think 30 was kind of the first round milestone since I became aware of my mental health because mm-hmm. obviously 2021 20, I didn't really consider myself that kind of up on you know emotional intelligence of knowing my own mental health and, and kind of it being introspective mm. it took a bit of a toll on me leading up to my 30th of, of you know oh when I'm 30 I'm going because and even bringing it back to 25 the song when I was that age I thought I had all the time in the world you know five mm. years that's a long time and then, of course, when you get older, the time it starts to shrink. Year, Josh, it's, it? you yeah. know, the actual... Last year felt like the quickest year ever. Yes. It's only going to get worse. And COVID obviously took a, a nice bite out of that, as I'm sure we'll have more to talk about <laughs> later. But it kind of, the time slipped away from me quicker than I thought. And I think that, that had a bit of a negative impact on my mental health because I, I had all these grand ideas of things mm. that I wanted to do. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. I wanted, to, I wanted to complete a lot before I hit 30. And I felt in some ways a bit of a failure for not getting to that point. But interestingly since i've obviously turned 30 it's been very strange it's almost been the opposite of what i thought it was mm. going to be i said this to josh yesterday when you're in your 20s even if you're 29 you are in your 20s 20 goes from you know 2021 20, all the way to 29 that is such a massive developmental gap i mean 20 is almost 19 yeah the person 20, i was at 19 people, like, people in tw- who are 20 now i just look at as like, they almost they're look chil- like children they're kind yeah, of children yeah, yeah like it's children. crazy and i was the way your perception of age changes like people who mm. you People look exactly. younger and younger yeah. to you, and you older and older you get. Mm, so. Exactly, and so moving into the third, you know, moving into this next decade, being in your thirties, even being thirty-three-zero, you are objectively an adult. No one's going to yeah. look at a thirty-year-old and be like, "Oh, he's a kid. It's a kid. He's yeah. young. He doesn't know what he's doing." That responsibility is already there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because it doesn't, you know, I, I didn't need that to become aware of it. Mm-hmm. It was always, I mean, age is just a number, really. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. your experiences that, that make you the person that you are. But it was very interesting how it just took a number to mm. really get me to cap you know I'm, I'm i'll be at work for example and, and i'll be doing something and i and i get a little worry about oh am i being treated like a child because i'm this and the other something else kicks in and i go i'm th- i'm a 30 year old man <laughs> you know why am i worrying about i'm not a child and if somebody treats me like a child that now at my age says more about them than it does about me and my mm. actions so as much as I thought it was going to be a bit of a, not a car crash, but I thought it was going to be, I thought I was going to suffer mentally mm. getting to my 30th more than I actually have. It's actually been quite an enjoyable experience. Really. I think I think it also makes you more aware of when people are not acting their age, when they are our age. Yeah. Like, so for example, I've worked in places where it's been very cliquey. I'm not going mm-hmm. to say where, but <laughs> you become very self-aware and you're like these people are in their mid-30s yeah. 40s yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you're acting like you're in high school like secondary school yeah right? there's a lot of that there's a lot of that I think with and again not to air out any places <laughs> that I've worked at previously but there's definitely elements of high school and that kind of stuff that people just take with them throughout their yeah. whole life it's like the, the bowling for suits I never thought was actually true but high, high school does really never end it really yeah. is it really <laughs> yeah. is and you know and, and even to elaborate on that point the physical things that I learned in school like the subjects and the lessons that I had that kind of is like second in comparison to the social stuff that I learned at school i.e. Yes. how to talk to people knowing when people are making fun of you knowing mm-hmm. when people are taking advantage etc obviously that's something you hone over the years but that kind of social skills that you, you learn in skill mm. in school that has become more useful for me now yeah. as you were saying noticing when people are actually acting 10 20 years 
you know, typically younger than yeah. they actually are. And you always describe someone as being the year above or year below or two years below or two years above. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At what age? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was two years below me in school. <laughs> yeah. And that at the time, because mentally that could almost be like a couple of months if you're by the September cutoff. Mm. It doesn't really mean anything. But mentally, being a whole school year above someone, they were they were adults and you were a kid, essentially. So it's, it's bringing that into, you know, as you say, the, the tools that you learn in high school, for better or worse, do, you know, they follow mm. you. Coming back to music, you've been figuring out the answer to three questions. Mm. What have I got in my life? Mm -hmm. Where is it? And what do I want to do indefinitely? So have you found the answers to that yet? I wouldn't say I've found the answers, kind of concrete answers, but I've definitely become more okay with not having concrete answers. I mm. think I've been, I've been more... In, there's a power in knowing what you don't know. And that's an Adam yeah. Grant book, I need to read it. You know, it's, it's the... I forget the exact name of it. It's like the Valley of Despair people that know a little bit have a lot of confidence in knowing everything and they think mm. they know everything and then as you get past that you realise that you kind of know not nothing but you know very little because yeah. you learn more and then only past that you go through the I'm a bit of a you know wide boy I know everything you go past that into being almost upset because you're like I don't know anything I'll never know everything this is mm. terrible and then on the other the very end of that is you know you're okay with the process of learning you're okay yep. with not knowing everything and the I more, think that the more you know, the more you know, you don't, you don't know. know. Shit. Exactly. MF Doom. <laughs> so it's, it's very true. Shout out Doom as well. <laughs> but, <R. I>. <laughs> but I think where I was, I was previously focused pre COVID on a lot of physical things. And I know Josh will attest to this as mm. well. Buying stuff. I went a bit crazy during COVID. I'm sure we all did. Bit of a spend up. Just trying to fill what you were missing in Some social. Sort of vacuum. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Trying to fill a hole, even if you don't know what that is just consumption was my main thing and over and above creation that's obviously shifted in the past few years now that we can all meet up again and, and I've realised that it's just changed my perspective on what's important to me I think it's the experiences that I couldn't have during Covid going to the pub being out with your mates you know going to gigs as well musically of course I think that we all went to one recently yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly it has the context of not having that has made it sweeter now that I am out and actually doing that and having these experiences. So in terms of, to go back to when you said, where is it? I think it's shifted away. What I have in my life has shifted away from having physical things to having people around me, experiences, what I have in terms of how I think about myself, like my thought processes are things that I have. It's kind of shifted away from that a little bit. I liken it to kind of like a garden. You have to nurture a garden. If you leave it, it's gonna things are going to rot. Other things from outside the garden are going to come in and mess with it. You know, it's an ecosystem. And so surrounding yourself with the right people, the right things, the right environment, whilst also nurturing the stuff you can control. Don't let gnomes in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't don't have any... Yeah, keep keep the fence well maintained. Keep, keep, keep Bill and Ben out. Yeah. <laughs> I have not thought about Bill and Ben in like 15 years. Oh, my God. But yeah, I think it's... So what I want to do indefinitely in my life, there will always be things that I want to do forever. Music is a prime example of that. But I think it's okay to not have a concrete answer to that because even in the last couple of years, what I feel like I want to do in my life, all the tangential stuff has changed so dramatically that I think it w I would almost be setting myself up to fail by being really rigid about this mm. is what I'm going to do next year and this is what I'm going to do the year after and this is whatever. I don't think that it inherently means that you aren't successful or that you aren't, you know, it's not a bad thing if things get pushed back because you're still figuring everything out. I don't think you should beat yourself up over that. Mm. Let's reflect then on this continued mental health journey. So given what you've both been through since we last chatted, what has this part of your mental health journey taught you about yourself? I've discovered that I've always been better at 
and I think we'll sympathise with this, I've always been better at giving advice to other people than taking my own advice. Much like Josh. Uh, yes, yeah. we're, again, the similarities, <laughs> the similarities. And further to what Josh said, I think I've, upon reflection, I've become better at catching myself when I'm kind of sliding. And the way that I've done that is to kind of, we all have the voice that is the negative voice. We all have, you know, thoughts that feel like they're not your own mm. thoughts. The they're chimp, intrusive. Steve Peters would call it. Exactly. Yeah. And even further to that point, characterizing that voice as something that is not yourself has done wonders for me because it's, then at that point, I am still giving advice to another person. It's just the person is this other this other voice. So it's not me. So mm. therefore, I, I'm better at dealing with it. I, mm. you know, if, you, if your mate's going through a problem, it's like laser focus. I know exactly what the issue is. I know what you need to do to fix it. If I was going through the same problem, it's infinitely more difficult. Mm. But if I can characterize that as like someone else almost, mm. that kind of helps me quite a, a lot. A thought or an idea is a personality. It is not a fact. Exactly. That's a Jordan yes. Peterson quote. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's what I say to anyone, anyone whenever they're experiencing negative or irrational thoughts mm. they are mm. only personalities they're not facts it's not a fact mm. but and it'll make you think think exactly. that it's a fact <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah realistically the, the main takeaway for me is that there's no shame in you know having your own coping mechanisms there's mm-hmm. no shame in, in getting the lay of your own land and finding out what works for you what doesn't and you know outside of just yourself having a set of core people around you that love you kind of unconditionally really that you can be yourself around for better or worse has mm. been such you know i've been spending a lot more social time obviously since lockdown's lifted i'm going to more events investing more in experiences i think that has been probably like the main thing that has mm. that has and young bay gigs and yeah. young bay was fantastic <laughs> as well yeah exactly it's and again it's not having that for so long means that when you do have it it's it's, it's not that counting crow song. You don't know, yeah. you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, it's it's. I think all I want to do is just continue that journey. Like mm. you know, the person I want to be in the next however long. I just want to carry on, and I feel like in the, the you know the last three five years have been about me discovering who I am as a person mm. and mentally having the tools to deal with that. If that can happen for the next 5, 10, 15, mm. then yeah, I'm happy. Be the original Charlie Wilson, not the Charlie Wilson. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Josh, final thoughts, same question? Yeah, so I think for me, going back to what I was saying, awareness is like the biggest thing and working off what Charlie was saying about catching emotions as well. I've learned that I need to be more cognizant of my emotions and kind of give myself space because I'm very bad at doing that and I put a lot of pressure on myself. But being able to catch the emotions and not be defined by them. Like, I always, when I'm talking to, like, parents and friends, if I'm stressed out about something, I always say, like, oh, I'm worried, and I need to, like, change. Even sim- something as simple as the way I phrased that from when I was, like, reading about part of my mental health journey. Not saying I'm worried, but saying, like, you know, I feel worried, as opposed mm. to I am worried. And it's, like, just that simple change can sort of have that effect on your mind. I'm not going to be defined Helps by that thing. Helps you lock it into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to... I think it's it's taught me that I need to give myself space and allow myself to be not under that pressure and not put that pressure onto onto me. Josh, Charlie, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. No, or coming back you. on yes. behind the mic, it's coming been, to yeah. my flat and talking to you, pals. It's been great. Thanks Thank for Thank you very us. much. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of Behind the Mic. I want to say a big thank you to Josh and to Charlie for being my special guests on this episode once more and for letting me go back behind the mic with them. One of those See You At Home singles we discussed, 25, will play us out and I'll put all of See You At Home streaming and social media links in the show notes as always. 
I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned into this episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and help us out with the algorithms. If you like what we're doing here at Vent, please consider supporting our Patreon. That's at www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk. Or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe. That link is on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. Or you can maybe purchase a Vent t-shirt as well. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. Please